13, 11 says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, this is symbolic language. Absence of water denotes scarcity of people. So it could not arise among the crowded nationalities of the old world. The United States did arise out of new, previously unoccupied territory. The wilderness of this vast American continent, unpopulated but for a few scattered Indian tribes, marvelously fits this prophecy. This great continent, kept hidden by God in a small world, became the cradle for this newborn nation. Revelation 12, 6 says, the earth helped the woman, the church, and the flood of pilgrims who fled to the new world to escape the peril and persecution of papal-dominated Europe. This land of liberty became a haven of refuge, a sanctuary for saints oppressed for their faith. I'm going to give you a third clue. It is depicted as a political power. Now, the term beast is the Bible symbol of a kingdom or a nation. John said, this second beast, this new political power, he had two horns like a lamb. The government symbolized by this second beast is introduced in the early part of its career. That is, while still a youthful power. Why didn't John say he had two horns? Why does he add like a lamb? I'll tell you why. Because it's a young nation. A lamb's horns are horns that have barely begun to grow. Here is a baby nation. A lamb is a new baby. Here is a baby nation that has lamb-like qualities of innocence starting around 1798 in a sparsely populated area of the earth developing on a new continent. The United States of America fits this prophetic description to the max. Clue number four, it's a democracy. The second beast, which arises in unpopulated territory, territory had a two horns like a lamb. What's missing on his horns that the first beast of Revelation 13 had? Crowns. For this baby beast had no kingly power. Since a crown is a fitting symbol of a monarchy, the notable absence of crowns in this case clearly indicates a democratic government vesting its power in the hands of people, not in any ruling king. Had the second beast been depicted wearing a crown, we could not maintain that the prophecy represented the United States of America because the United States of America has never had a king, although we have a president right now who's trying to be a king and act like a king. The early patriots claimed we have a state without a king and a church without a pope. Revelation 13, 14 makes plain that this power says to the people that they, the people, should make an image to the beast. A dictator or a powerful king wouldn't say that. He would just say, do it. But here, this power cannot act unilaterally and autocratically. The legislative powers rest with the people. It's a democracy. And here's our fifth and final clue. It is a power 
of worldwide influence. Revelation 13, 12 states that this second lamb-like beast causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. We can see the vast leadership role played by this prophetic power. America has become in recent decades especially powerful and influential since World War II. America has enjoyed prestige and power on a worldwide scale, both economically and politically, and may I say militarily. The Revelator tells us that this influential world power, the United States, shall take the lead in worshiping the beast and that the whole world will follow the beast. The second beast John saw has been identified for us. It would be seen coming up or arising as a nation around the year 1798. Number two, it would arise in an unpopulated area, not among the people in the old world. Number three, it would be a nation, a political entity, but a baby one, not a mature established power. Number four, it would rise to a position of great worldwide power and influence. No one could reasonably apply all John's prophetic clues to any nation other than the United States of America. Yes, historically, geographically, and politically, this country perfectly fits the prophetic blueprint of Revelation 13. Those of us who love this country sense that this country was raised up and designed by God. Many Bible scholars have interpreted the two horns of the second beast as the twin principles of civil and religious liberty, which have been championed by the United States from its very inception. Revelation 13, 11 describes our beloved United States, ultimately speaking, not as a land, but as a dragon. How ironic that the country that's been the world's foremost fortress of religious liberty becomes the devil's instrument to implement the mark of the beast. Revelation 13, 12 says, and he, the United States, exerciseth all the power of the first beast, papal Rome, before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. The Bible predicts that Protestant America will reach across the ocean and join hands with the papacy. Protestant America and all Catholic Europe will join forces in a coalition, a power block, the likes of which we have never seen before. And out of Rome, the Pope will rise to incredible prominence and America will be an ally of the coalition. In a time of great crisis, the religious right, the political arm of conservative Protestants in these United States of America will lend its support to Catholicism and the Pope will become the leading spiritual leader of both Protestants and Catholics. The results will be an unholy alliance which compromises truth right here in the United States of America. 
Revelation 13, 14, and 15 speaks about the second beast, the United States, making an image to the first beast. An image of anything is something that looks like or resembles it. If a little boy looks like his daddy, we say he's the spitting image of his father. Revelation 13, 12, and 14 tells us that this image would be just like the papal power. The United States will one day act just like the papal power. That is, just like the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. The image to the beast will be a repeat performance of what the world suffered centuries ago during the Dark Ages. What happened during the Dark Ages? Over 50 million Christians were persecuted, hunted, and killed for holding on to their beliefs and their conviction. To learn what the image will be like, we must first recall what the papal beast was like, especially during the heyday of its power. The papacy was a church clothed with both civil and religious power. It was a union of church and state. And that has always been historically a terrible mixture. It has always been a terrible union. Nothing good ever comes out of church and state uniting as one power. It will be another ecclesiastical establishment clothed with civil power. In other words, a modern day union of church and state. How could an image be formed in the United States, you may ask? Well, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 says that just before Christ returns, there will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Let a crisis come, like world economic depression. Let a crisis come, like international terrorism. Let a crisis come, like nuclear, nuclear war. Let a crisis come like COVID-19, worldwide pandemic. Let a crisis come like worldwide famine, natural disaster, and hear the voices cry. This is a judgment from God because we've wandered from God's ways. We've got to get back to God. Let's make America a Christian nation again. Now you've heard this before. You've heard, let's make America great again. Well, the day is coming when all those same folk will be saying, let's make America great again. A great Christian nation again. This is our last chance. And well-meaning Americans, when the cry goes out from every quarter and every quarter, whether laymen, ministers, or legislators will band together to pass laws forcing people to do by civil power what the church had failed to do by persuasive preaching and teaching. Those who believe the end justifies the means will see no problem in this. For Christianizing the nation and improving society's moral and spiritual health in their minds is a great and godly thing. The tragedy, tragedy is America the cradle of liberty will speak like a dragon and adopt tactics of force and coercion used by the beast. Tactics resurrected from the dark ages. 
In order for the United States to form an image of the beast, the religious power must once again so control the civil government that the strong arm of the state will be employed by the church to accomplish her own ends. The papal power under the first beast used the police power of the state to carry out its commands and enforce its edicts. The Bible says the United States will do the same thing. A nation's laws speak eloquently. Revelation 13, 11 says that when the forces of church and state unite in this country, the power that started out as harmless and innocent as a lamb will in the end speak as a dragon. A nation's government speaks through its laws, its legislative and judicial authorities. And since the United States is unquestionably the nation symbolized as a dragon, it follows that it will enact oppressive laws and become a persecuting power. Fear and tragedy trigger a willingness in man to justify measures he normally not take. The Bible predicts persecution in Revelation 13, 15 to 17. It says he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The threats of the death penalty will be put, put upon those who are faithful to God, obedient to the will of God, and obedient to the commandments of God. In addition, my brothers and sisters, there's the equally coercive threat of e economic boycotts. And he causeth all, both great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark. If you study the mark of the beast, you would have learned that the papacy calls her act of changing the day of worship from the seventh day Sabbath to the first day of the week as her mark of ecclesiastical power and authority in religious matters. I told you before in this message, this is not an issue about days. It's an issue about loyalty. It's an issue about who is your Lord going to be? Will you follow the traditions of men or will you be obedient to the will of God? The Sabbath is only a sign of your commitment to be loyal to God. That God is your Lord and your Savior. The Papal Sunday will be enforced by law in the United States. Sunday, as a common day of worship, will be the vehicle to unite Protestant and Catholic Christians in a time of crisis under the auspices of the Pope of Rome. The Pope does not have the mark of the beast. It's a system. So much tragedy in the land. In an ecumenical movement, we should show that we don't have that much that separates us from each other. The Pope is the instrument used to bring about all of these. The Roman Catholic Church is that system that opposes God, that persecutes the people of God, that demands loyalty from the people of God. And if you don't, you'll receive the mark of the beast. Since the Pope is the leading spiritual leader in the world, for heaven's sake, somebody will say, let's do what he says.
Those who are obedient to God will not receive the mark in their hands or in their foreheads. This is all a part of Satan's mindset to get men and women to accept the Antichrist, to get them to accept the beast power. It's all a part of a delusion to get some people united under the auspices of the Pope of Rome to get this nation to repudiate all its principles of religious liberty and to get constitutional amendments passed that will trample on the rights of the minority who cannot conscientiously go along with the majority. What was once the land of the free and the home of the brave will become the regimented land of religious intolerance. My brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you, it's going to get a whole lot worse before it ever gets better. If you can't run with the footmen, how in the world are you going to make it when the horsemen show up? But I've got news for you. And the good news is that God has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. He says in the day of trouble, he will hide us in his pavilion. He has promised that he will be with his children. And when we go through the fires, he'll be with us. When the floods seem to overflow us, he says it shall not drown us. The story is told about uh, 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 a farmer out in the country. He saw a young man who got his car stuck out in the ditch. And so the farmer goes to the young man and says to him, young man, would you like me to help you get your car out of the ditch? And the, the young man said, yes, sir. The farmer says, listen, I have a strong horse. He will get your, house, your car out of the ditch. I just need to go home and get my horse. So he went home, got his horse, brought his horse back. He says, my horse's name is Dusty. And Dusty is a strong horse. Dusty will get your car out of the ditch. And so he ties Dusty up to the man's car. And he says, pull Molly. And then he said, pull Gertrude. And then he said, pull Dusty. Finally, Dusty just pulled that car out of the ditch. The young man went over to the farmer and said, thank you, sir, for all the help. But I just have one question to ask you. Why did you say pull Molly? And why did you say pull Gertrude? And then why did you finally say pull Dusty? And the farmer said to the young man, he says, young man, you see my horse, Dusty is a strong horse. But he's a blind horse. And if Dusty only thought he was pulling by himself, he would have quit. I got news for you. You are not by yourself. You are not on your own. Jesus has promised to be with you, to help you. And the victory is assured for every believer if we only believe in Christ. This country will become a persecuting power. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I got my eyes on the prize. I hope you're planning to make it to God's eternal city. Jesus didn't die so that we'll be lost. He died so that we'll be saved. And I want to be saved in God's eternal kingdom. Would you be faithful to the commandments of God, the calling of God on your life? Would you ask God to help you each and every day? He will help you and he will save you. There's somebody who heard this message tonight and you want for me to pray for you that you'll be faithful to God until that day when he comes in peace. I want you to bow your heads with me wherever you are. 
as we seek the Lord in prayer. Loving Father, thank you today for at least teaching us about what's coming down the pike, for making us aware of prophecy and its fulfillment and the imminence of your soon coming. I pray, God, that you will prepare our hearts to be faithful to you in all that we do, to be loyal to you above man-made traditions, to remain steadfast in our commitment to you and to serve you with diligence. I pray for someone who has heard this message. Maybe it was a little tedious for them to understand, but I pray, God, that someone would have at least comprehended that America, the great land of the free and the brave, will become a persecuting power and will make an image to the first beast. It will lead out in the mark of the beast being spread around the entire world. It will become a persecuting power against those who remain loyal to truth and to your word. Prepare us, God, for that day comes in our lifetime that we will remain committed to you. And those who have heard it for the first time, God, I pray that they too will make a commitment to join ranks with your people and prepare to meet you in peace. Bless this revival, those who would come after us. Bless those, God, who would stand to preach your word. And may the word go forth with power and clarity. And hearts may be charged and changed and challenged and converted for eternity. We pray this prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 America in prophecy, man. Listen, uh, you, you pitched that thing right down the middle of the plate, and that was a heater. Now, it, I know you are from the island, so what I say is you bowled it right, and you and I understand it. <laughs> man. You bowled it right. You Amen. bowled it right. That was a sure word, Dr. Bushner. That was clear. That was powerful. And that is just what we needed to hear in these times. Doc Bushner, what do you have to say? All I can say is I've known Jules for almost 44 years back in 1978. The Lord has been on him since. And I thank God for the anointing on my brother's life. And I'm so glad tonight I'm going to be like Dusty. I'm going to be blind to the things of this world because mm -hmm. I'm not pulling by myself. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. That's an awesome word right there. Thank you, Pastor Jules, Dr. Jules. My Thank friend, you, buddy. You're a powerful preacher. That thing was clear. And as I said before, I believe without a doubt, if you, if anybody's going to be lost, it will be decision and not deception because Amen. God is speaking right now. So That's thank right. you for that, that prophetic word, that sure word of God tonight. I'm, I'm just thankful, man. I thank God for this truth. I'm bathing in the light. Thank you. Thank right, you. Would you mind? Because again, we, we have something here in the quarantine that whenever a preacher pours out before that preacher leaves, we like to ask the Holy Spirit to fill him or her up. And so in this case, we're going to ask you, Doc Bushner, if you don't mind praying for Dr. Jules, that the Holy Spirit will fill him as he is poured out to us. I'll be honored. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Dr. Jules. We thank you for his ministry, his years of commitment, faithfulness. Thank you for his lovely wife who ministers by his side. Thank you for his two beautiful children that you have blessed him with that are growing up and being nurtured in the Lord. I pray that you'll continue to bless his church there in New York as he ministers not only to that congregation, but to the world. You have blessed him, Lord, in so many ways. And I thank you 
for the gift you have given us, this planet, in the form of Dr. Abraham Jules. I pray that you'll fill him back up. I pray that you'll anoint him. I pray that you'll guide him and lead him so that as he preached to others, Lord, he'll hear that word and that same word that others are being saved by, that he and his lovely family will be saved in your kingdom. Again, we thank you tonight for the prophetic word. We thank you for allowing him to speak truth to power tonight. And I pray that you'll bless him as he continues to walk in the light, this beautiful light, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you for that prayer. Thank you, Damon. Yes, Thank you very much, Dr. Jules, for being here with us. We appreciate you. QR2 family, if you would just show Dr. Jules some digital love and tell him we appreciate him. Doc Bushner, we appreciate you. Listen, y'all, um, I want to let you know we are at the end of a journey, and now we are on the last leg. If this was like the, what is that, the 400 meters, this would be the last four, the last 100 we are on the anchor of the QR2 Prophecy Edition. It has been an amazing time these first three weeks. But y'all know, right? Y'all know that if you are running a relay, if you've ever run a relay, man, just let me know in the comment section. If you're running a relay, you know that when you are running the relay, you want to make sure as you hand the baton off to the persons at the end that they are going to be able to bring this thing home. And so I want to let you all know that we are handing the baton off to our last week and we have a wonderful, I mean, the whole week has just been an amazing, amazing week, right? The whole three weeks, rather. But this last week, man, we're going to end strong. Uh, what was that Jonathan Nelson song? That Jonathan Nelson song, I'm, I'm a strong finish. Well, this is what we got, man. Look at what we have on this last week. We have got a lineup of powerful preachers with us on the last week. Pastor Marvin McLean Jr., Pastor Kimberly Bulgin, Pastor Marquise Johns, Pastor Austin Humphreys, Dr. Carlton Bird, and Pastor David H H excuse me, Hutchins. And then we also have a mystery speaker on Saturday night. You can still win, again, the QR challenge by guessing the speaker and the psalmist. This is going to be a wonderful week. Thank you, QR family, QR2 family, for work, for running with us. Listen, every Saturday night, I'm just looking to my screen here, and every Saturday night, man, y'all show up and show out here. And so thank you for tuning in live with us tonight. We appreciate you. God bless. Remind you of two more things before I get out of here. One, if you want to give, remember we've got three ways that we can give, the Cash App. Uh, it's on the money sign, the Q Revival. Then you can go to PayPal, the Q Revival, and then you can go straight to the website, theqrevival.com. Those are three ways. Also, if there's anybody out there that was so moved and felt so, and felt so, um, want to connect, I'll say, with us, there's our email address, theqrevival at gmail.com. You want to connect with us? Do that as well. We want to connect with you. We want to help you in this journey. Someone will be there with you, all right? God bless you. I'm your host this evening, standing in the place of Pastor J.D., Pastor D. from Bermuda. God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. Y'all have a good evening.